Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? So the other thing that I want to talk about, because I feel like it was somehow linked into this in a, in a weird way, was pregnancy and, ha- and having a baby because mm-hmm. of the way that that changes your body. There are things about my body that will never be the same. Yeah. I'm a different person than I was before (laughs) I got pregnant and had a baby. I had lived 30 years of my life knowing how my body functions. Yeah. And my body functioning normally or functioning the way that I knew how it worked. And then all of a sudden, you literally cut me open. I grew a human, first of all. So the human was fucking messing up all my organs in there, right? For nine months. And then you cut me open took my organs out of my body (laughs) cavity and then you put them back and you sewed me shut i am convinced to this day like 100 percent, my organs are not in the same place that they used to be absolutely because think about when you like when you order something and it comes into a package and now you have to like (laughs) put put it back into the package it never goes in right no, it's never going back in the same way that so it came out. So they did that to your organs. They took it out successfully. Right. <laughs> and they had to like, they tinkered and put it back in and they're like, it looks about right. <laughs> I promise you it was not right because you're awake during the C-section. Mine was an emergency C-section, not a planned C-section. So it was like even worse because like the baby was already in the birth canal. She was like stuck. And then they had to go in for the C-section that was like unplanned. And I had already been in labor for like two days. Like it was a fucking disaster. But yeah, you had a rough labor story. So I'm awake and I'm, I'm listening to the surgeon and whoever else is there assisting. And my husband is standing there and he's like super not he's like he can't even get his blood drawn because he's super not OK with that stuff. And he's like watching them. and He's like, your organs are like out of your body. They're like up on your chest, flopped around wherever. <laughs> And I'm listening to them. And when they were after they pulled the baby out and they were buttoning me back up. So like the the cutting open and pulling the baby out was super fast. And then the buttoning back up took like a long time. And I was like, is everything okay over there? Like, (laughs) am I going to live? I'm not getting a warm fuzzy out of this experience. Like Tetris. (laughs) Yes. And so I hear like they're talking about like their weekend plans. Like, first of all, like they're like, like, this is like an everyday thing for them they're just yeah. like so like are you thinking of going to the movies tomorrow and i'm like ah my organs <laughs> are out of my body like what do you mean and then i heard the woman she was referring to putting my bladder back in my body and oh, she God. she was like asking where it went like is this the right placement for the bladder and i can tell you now that it was not <laughs> <laughs> it was not okay I've never peed the same after that. Can they, can you, I don't even know how to respond to that. Can they somehow fix it? Can they do like an MRI in your body and see if it needs to be like scooped <laughs> down a little bit more? I don't even know. Like, I feel like I don't really hear a lot of people talk about it, but like my body was changed irreparably. Like it's not the same. Yeah. And, and like it functions differently. Like there are things in my intestinal tract that don't <laughs> operate the same way they used to. Like I feel like they're like twisted up or something differently. 
and there was a baby pressing on all that for an extended right. period of time so like shit got fucked up and then even like the bladder situation like it's just my bladder muscles like something's off something is off don't they always say you always have to pee more anyways after you have like you feel like you're peeing more because they always no. they say after you have a baby i get it you're just constantly in the bathroom Yes. And like you can have like bladder muscle weakness and stuff. So you're yeah. like, feel like you're like peeing your pants. And like, that's not even it. It's not even that. It's it just like literally, feel- it's, it's like the position that I need to be in to engage my bladder muscles uh-huh. like to pee. Yeah. I have to get into a particular position. <laughs> you got like a resident student. <laughs> so in your bladder. <laughs> But it's like I never used to have to do that. Like I could just sit normally, engage, go pee, right? Yeah. And now it's like, nope, I can't pee in that position. I have to, I got to contort and like get the bladder the way it's supposed to be before I can pee. You have to like do a freaking aerobics before you get onto the toilet. Right. So there's like all sorts of like little things like that. Even just like my intestines before being pregnant. I never used to be able to feel food moving through my intestinal tract. Oh, sorry, <laughs> where are you going with this? <laughs> like feel or see food moving through my intestinal tract. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Right. When you have a baby, I don't know if it's just like you're more in tune to feeling things about your body because you're feeling a baby growing in your body and then they start kicking you and you're, you're just feeling all the movement and focusing your attention on feeling all the movement throughout the entire pregnancy, right? So I don't know if it has something to do with that, that you're just like more in tune to what's going on. And I wasn't before I had a baby, mm-hmm. but post baby, I know where the food is. I know the the route that it's taken. Like right. I can feel it. I can see it. Like it's almost like, like it'll move my stomach. Like it, I can see it. I can see it going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are just making me more and more not want a baby. <laughs> I am good. The time that I was diagnosed with this anxiety disorder was also when my daughter was young. And so I was like, just, you know, you have all these hormone changes going on in your body and then like physical changes of like my fucking intestines aren't where they used to be kind of shit going on. And so like there are changes in your body that you had to get used to. And I think some of that could be mistaken for, you know, symptoms of things as well. So it was like all of that came together, came to a head basically like after I had the baby. Yeah. And it wasn't immediate because I think I was so focused on, you know, having a fucking infant to take care of. But once that like initialness wore off and I like had time to focus my attention on something else, that's when like all these symptoms started happening. And like I was noticing them more. So I just I felt like it was all like it all happened at the same time. And I had done IVF. So like I, I was like pumping my body with all kinds of hormones, lots of hormones, lots of vials of syringes worth of shit like hundreds and hundreds of needles that I injected into my body through that process I remember walking to your kitchen table and I was like whoa where am I right like it looked like you were in like a heroin house yeah I was like oh my god and so I had injected all of these fucking chemicals and hormones into my body to get pregnant and then even into pregnancy because you had to continue some of them till Mm -hmm. like the second trimester or something then my body was like on detox from all these hormones that it had been on for like multiple years at that point. Right. And so that I feel like all contributed to it. And I remember thinking as I was getting all these symptoms, I was like, I fucked up my body with 
all the hormone fucking chemicals that I injected into it. I was like, I gave myself some kind of life altering disease from all these hormones. Like that was all part of my thought process as I was having this medical anxiety, which is still valid. Like I still think that there's a chance that like <laughs> I fucked myself up beyond repair with all that shit that I pumped into my body. But like it, I have my kid, it's worth it. Like whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be because look at all like the side effects of taking birth control. You know what I mean? Like just the little minor side effects of those. And now here you are, you're like 20 times, 30 times more hormones into you there's mm-hmm. gotta be something right right and so like my body was coming off of all of that at that time and that's when all the symptoms started and everything and i was like like i fucked up like I- yeah your body must have just been like completely hit like you trying to get off of it you just having a baby and then your intestines not being in the right <laughs> spot <laughs> so like i think your body just like crashed on you exactly exactly oh you just yeah i'm gonna continue on my uh no babies for me <laughs> i do not want to feel my food through my body that is too weird for me i don't like it all right i mean we're gonna talk about this <laughs> everything's on the table here so when i started being able to feel my food going through my body i thought i had a tapeworm <laughs> oh i would have thought yeah I would have thought the same. <laughs> I went through a big period where it, through my anxiety and all my diagnosis that I gave myself at one point, I was like parasites. I have parasites. Mm-hmm. I have a tapeworm. I have like all this fucking shit. And then I was like buying like supplements off of Amazon to like <laughs> kill my tapeworm. And I was like, I don't know what kind of damage I was doing to my body, but there was no tapeworm. <laughs> I went through a whole like tapeworm worm situation too because my coworker like her freaking dog had had been like on and off and like infested with like worms. I have no idea why. Like it couldn't like I guess the medication wasn't killing it, so he had to like keep going back on it. And then like I think I had like gone to her house for something, and I just knew about her dog having a hard time getting rid of his worms after the fact. And I was like, did I just get worms from being in her? So in my brain, I was like, am I going to get worms? And am I somehow going to give those worms to my dog? I went through a worm thing too at one point. Oh, uh, yeah. I had like worm be gone <laughs> pills in my closet that I was like secretly taking in the background. <laughs> the thing about it is like I knew it was crazy. Like yeah, I knew it time. was crazy. I still believed it at the time. Yeah. But I knew how crazy it sounded or seemed. So, like, I wouldn't even say this shit out loud. Like, I wouldn't even tell my husband, like, the shit that I was thinking that I had. Yeah. He was going to be like, no, you don't. Like, that's fucking crazy. And I'm like, and I didn't want to have to deal with that. So I was like, I'm just not even going to tell you. Like, I'm just going to go buy the shit. The worm be gone. (laughs) So, obviously, I don't have a husband. So the person that I kind of usually, besides you guys, like, I will bother my brother with this. I'm always like, oh, he works at the hospital. Maybe he can help me out, right? And he's come to the point where he just agrees with me now. He's like, yep, yeah, you have it. Yeah, yeah, you have worms. He's just so fed up with me, like, asking him. And you're right. I'm like, I just can't ask him because, like, right. he's just he's going to constantly agree with me. So since we're putting it all out there, <laughs> this might be disgusting. But at that point when I was, like, worried that I had worms, I think this was, like, two summers ago, when I was worried that I had worms because of my coworker's dog, <laughs> which is ridiculous. 
what are we going to do? Because they say that, like, you know, this might be too much information, but they would they say, like, you can see it in your poop, right? So I would, like, glance. <laughs> I would, like, take a glance to see if anything, because I was so paranoid. And I'm like, dude, you need to, you're being ridiculous. I did that for an extended period of time. Just always constantly glancing. Like, yep. is there a worm that's going to pop out and say hi? <laughs> yep. I did that for a very long time. I was, I was like psychoanalyzing my stool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Who, who doesn't do that? You just, you just had to stare at it and see if it moved. Like, <laughs> is there anything moving in there? <laughs> oh man. I know. Uh, I, so I want to just go quickly, go back to where you said that your, your doctors, as they were like sewing up, I should say botching your uh, C-section. <laughs> yes. How do you feel about when you're at a doctor's office for anything, let's say like a procedure or I don't know, whatever, an appointment, how do you feel about them making small talk with you? Like sometimes if I'm at the dentist, obviously I can't really respond because, you know, but if they're making like small talk with like the assistant, I'm not okay with it because I feel like they, they're not focusing on me. So the the dentist one is one of my biggest pet peeves when they talk to you with the instruments in your mouth. You're like, I can't fucking talk. That's my biggest pet peeve. But I think you're kind of probably more referring to like two people, they're working on something for you, whether it's like two nurses in the room or right. yeah. a nurse and a doctor or you're getting a procedure done and they're just like chit-chatting. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'd be annoyed. I, I feel like the focus should be on what you're do- what they're doing to you, right? Right. And not like asking how your bumble date went. <laughs> so are you more annoyed like if they're small talking with you or like just like small talking amongst themselves about like their Friday night plans? So if they're small talking with me, I'm I'm okay with that as long as they're not doing something. Like I don't know. Like I always just say the dentist because when I was getting my crown in the back, my dentist was talking to the, the assistant the whole entire time. And I'm like, are you paying attention? Like, are we paying attention? <laughs> I think that's what I get. I guess if they're not doing actual anything physical on me, I guess I go ahead and have a conversation. I think it's the second they start working on something on you. I think small talk has to come to an end. The scenario that keeps popping into my <laughs> mind right now is when I was going through IVF, I've told you this, that I, I had to do this because it's like artificially like growing your ovaries and they have to monitor it so that you don't overproduce because that would be really bad. I had to go for an ultrasound every morning before work for an extended period of time, like several weeks or more. <laughs> it's not an ultrasound like with the little gel on your belly because you're not yeah. pregnant yet. It's the other kind. It's a probe. Transvaginal internal ultrasound. It's not fun. It's not fun. You have to drink a bunch of water. I know I did mine. Yes. So your bladder is so full. So that they could fucking put this thing in. So it's super uncomfortable. It's they have to put like a big plastic on it. So it's like there's like a yeah. sharp sharp plastic like poking you around. Like it was not yeah. Not good. But needless to say, there's a tech there yep. who's literally like inserting this giant wand into you and then like talking to you about your fucking day. <laughs> and it would be like the same tech. A lot of the time, because I was going like every morning at the same time before work. Yeah. And it would be like the same tech. And I'm like, like, are we in a relationship? (laughs) (laughs) 
So I think for like definitely those are like even like same things like my gyno will always have a conversation with me. I think they just know what we're obviously probably uncomfortable. Right. Like they're trying to like think about something else. I think I used to just like close my eyes and just be like, don't talk to me until it's over. Just tell me when it's over. Yeah. Like it's like just focus. Yeah. Like I don't want like I don't want my results of the ultrasound saying like unknown or whatever it is because they fucked up because they were too busy talking to me. Like just do it. Do it so it can be right. <laughs> so I don't want to come back. <laughs> right. Exactly. A funny story. I actually I failed my drug test for a job that I was applying to because of the full bladder that I needed for the ultrasound. How did you fail? I was in the middle of changing jobs and it was like as I was going through this IVF thing. So I was going every morning for this fucking thing where it had to fill up my bladder so they could do the ultrasound. I had an appointment to do a drug test as like I, I had already accepted the job and this was just like part mm-hmm. of like the background screening the appointment was like right after the ultrasound and so I went but I had just chugged like a whole bottle of Gatorade beforehand or water yeah. or whatever it was the drug test place I failed because my urine was too dilute you can fail it if it's too dilute oh. people who are actually have drugs in their system I'm sure try to make it too dilute so that they fail yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. I don't know. If, if I were doing drugs, I would probably just dilute it to the point where they can't measure it because then you have to go back, like, wait another day or whatever and go back and yeah, do it again. Totally. But at least it buys you more time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I failed because my urine was too dilute from the ultrasound. Did you tell them, like, I'm no do drugs? I know they, they don't probably care what your, what your answer, what your response is, right? They're probably just like, failed actually i was that that particular ultrasound that i the one that i failed the drug test for was not the ivf egg retrieval one it was when i was i was actually pregnant at that time and i didn't want to tell this new job like they had just hired me and it was before the time that you would tell somebody that you were pregnant i was like eight weeks pregnant or something like i wasn't going to tell this job that I was pregnant because I was like, they're not going to hire me. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't tell them. But then like I failed the drug test because of the ultrasound being too dilute. So I'm like, oh, God, now they think I'm a druggie (laughs) on my first day of a new job. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, you obviously got the job. So at some point. I did. So I did get the job and I started the job and I miscarried on my first day of the job. I was like touring like power plants. I had a coworker who I had just met that day and he toured me around the power plant and we had taken one car to drive out there and on the way back I was like I need to go to the hospital I couldn't have him drive me to the car and then have me drive myself to the hospital it was like a whole big thing like I needed to get there like stat like I barely made it through the day so I literally asked this coworker if he could drive me to the drop me off at the hospital instead of back at my car at the office on my first day of work Oh my God, I did not know that. Like I went through the whole day like normally. I was like suffering, but I was I went oh. through it normally because I was like, oh my God, this is my first day of a new job. Like I can't, I can't just be like, I gotta go home. So I suffered through the day and then couldn't take it any longer. And I was like, can you can you drop me off at the hospital? I was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. But could you just drop me off at the hospital instead of my car? I was like, my husband will pick me up. It's, it's, it's all good. I'll be, I'll be at work tomorrow. Oh my God. And were you at work the next day? Yeah, I went to work oh the next day. Oh my God. 
I was like, still miscarrying, but that poor coworker, like he ended up being like one of my closest friends there. He's he's like 65. <laughs> but he, we never talked about it. Like, oh no. We never talked about it. Like he never was like, hey, like what's going on? Like, why did I have to drop you off at the hospital? Like he never, we just, we just kind of like, that never happened. You, you saw nothing. <laughs> like, did you guys like just drive in complete silence on the way? We were like getting close to getting back before I said okay. anything. I didn't like let it linger in the car for like an hour. We were, like, almost there. And I was like, hey, like it, instead of taking a left, do you mind taking a right and like dropping me off at the hospital? Like I, it was like quick. And he was like, okay. He didn't ask any questions. Oh my God. I did not know that. Oh yeah. I've had a life. <laughs> I've had a life. Yeah, you definitely, you've had a pregnancy journey Mm. so this episode we thought was going to be about medical anxiety but really it's about birth control (laughs) (laughs) it's a birth control episode i use it everyone should use it (laughs) unless if you want a child go for it but i don't want my intestines rearranged (laughs) so interesting you you have still yet to not get COVID, getting out of the whole pregnancy talk, right? You you didn't get it, or that you know of, right? That I know of officially, I've never tested positive, positive. for COVID. Okay, but your husband did, right? He did. You did, yeah. I remember <laughs> you texted me like the Monday morning. And you're like, "Hey, I know you just slept over." <laughs> oh. I was like, it's fine. I had just gotten it anyway already. Like, I already had it. So I was like, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. Like, you were there, like, the day before. And then I had to text yeah. you as my contact tracing. <laughs> I had some, like, health little things. I guess they call it, like, long COVID. So I didn't know if, like, your husband had any. Where you're, like, you're just, you get, like, really bad headaches after, like, I think it's different for everybody. And I... Mm. And God, I don't even know if they still even really know yet because still so it's only been a few years of COVID. But it's like with the long COVID that you're just so tired like I'm, and I'm always constantly tired. So that's like my symptoms where I'm always tired. I get like really bad headache. And for a little while after, after I had COVID, I would break out in hives. I still do here and there, but it's not like a full body mm. knock, knocking on my wall. <laughs> it's not a full body like hive situation. I'll break out like here and there. And I do notice when I do kind of break out in hives, it's when I am hot. And I know you had mentioned something about like getting hot for a while. The whole numbness when you were saying it, I was getting that too with my legs. And I went through a whole spiral thinking I freaking MS because of it. Because if you Google like anything like numbness and tingling, mm. MS pop. I'm sure you've seen it in your <laughs> in, in your my travels. Travel <laughs> I'm like, it is such a mind fog because I still get the numbness here and there in my legs or in my foot. So, and I'm always constantly like, I have to like stop myself from thinking that it's MS or some other nerve damage. Right. No, I don't think my husband's had anything specifically that he's attributed to like long covid like there were people that i knew that like lost their taste for 
mm-hmm. extended periods of time, not just like while they had COVID, like yeah. mo- months and yeah. like that. That's a horrible situation for, for those poor people. But no, I don't think he's had anything that he would attribute. I mean, he probably has like he has neck numbness and stuff in his hand. We, we attribute it to anxiety, but it could be something else. It could have been so, long yeah. COVID. But imagine having losing your taste and being like Portuguese and not being able to eat the freaking food or at least enjoy the food. I know I would die. I would die. I've, I've never had it happen to me. So like, I don't know how it would feel. But like, is there any amount of like your imagination that can make up for the lack of actually being able to taste? Like, could, cause, like I know like what a carne lechana tastes like. Can I just like imagine what it tastes like as I eat <laughs> it? You know what I mean? Well, according to your doctor, your mind doesn't work like that. <laughs> exactly. He just wanted my insurance money. <laughs> you can't. He was like, this, girl, this girl's a gold mine. <laughs> but COVID anxiety was definitely a huge thing just through that whole period especially in the early stages oh, of like yeah. the anxiety of like not wanting to get it thinking you had it had, getting symptoms like whatever it was like being freaked out about like the groceries and like washing down the groceries and like all that shit you were isolating your packages when they would come in because they said it was like living on surfaces so you're like oh shit like i remember like if i got deliveries from amazon i would either like keep it outside or I like threw gloves on and like brought them inside but kept them in a corner for a couple of days (laughs) that pandemic was not good for anxiety I was already better from like my anxiety period before the pandemic started and like the pandemic was a setback for sure it was a setback because that was like huge anxiety and I don't even think like my anxiety was so much like okay I get it because I was like okay I can probably God, I know there was obviously so many people that died and young people that died from it too. But in my brain, I was like, oh, maybe like I'll just, it'll be like a cold and I'll get over it. I think because like I obviously, I didn't want my parents to catch it. I think I was more worried for them, mm. but they never fucking got it. <laughs> I know. So like, here I am. I worried about you guys the whole time and you guys didn't freaking get it. I know. I know. I had such an aversion. I still do. To being like in like crowded places because of oh, that. Yeah. Even now, like I'll go to like my daughter's dance class and it's like it's just like we're all like packed in there. Like all the parents are just like sweating in there, just like waiting for their kids, and the kids are all just sweating, running around. I, every time I go in there, I'm like, this place had to shut down during COVID, and like it should have stayed shut down because this, <laughs> this is where COVID yeah. happens, is in these environments. It lives here. It's where it thrives. Right. So like every time I go in there, I'm like, oh, God, like, why did we just like go back to normal? Like we had this whole pandemic where we set all these like rules and we tried to distance each other. And like and all of a sudden we're just like back to like the cesspool. Yeah. There were certain things that like are just good hygiene practices that we probably should have kept. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still just slowly trying to dip my toe in the cesspool. I don't want to be a full. I don't want to like take a full dive into mm. it. I still get very anxious about like if I start to get sick, if I have like a sore throat. Not that it's COVID. I'm just always like, oh my God, like I'm getting sick. But in my brain, in my brain, a cold can't be just a cold. The flu isn't just the flu. It, it's got to be like my, if I have a cold, it's a symptom of something. Mm. That's how my brain works. Like if you just had the flu like I had, you would have been reading the WebMD and you would have been like, oh, it's going to turn into pneumonia and then I'm going to die. Thank you. Yep right absolutely yep yeah that's how it is so that's why i don't want to dive into the cesspool 
if I start getting like an itchy throat or if I feel off, I actually like, I have like health sickness type anxiety. If I get sick, I'm already like, it can't be a cold. To me, it's not a cold. It's something else. I'm like, this is just a symptom. Mm. It's going to turn into something. <laughs> right. Even though like I could go to the doctor and they'd be like, you just have the common cold. I wouldn't believe it. My husband will like yells at me sometimes. Speak, and this is going to sound so awful. Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like preface this with like, he's not a bad person, but I will have a cold, like a regular cold or like I'm going to just had the flu, but I have symptoms that just like linger. The mm-hmm. cough and the chest stuff like always lingers for me for so long. Same. Even if it's just a regular cold, like I'll have a cold. I get over like kind of the initial symptoms and then like the chest stuff continues for like eight weeks and like i'll just be like coughing in bed every night for eight weeks and he's like (laughs) he's like you need to get help because this is not normal he's like he's like you shouldn't still be coughing eight weeks later he's like you need to see a doctor and then we get in a fight about it because i'm just like i'm the one who's coughing and you're getting annoyed like i'm the sick one (laughs) you're just mad because i'm keeping you up at night with all my coughing (laughs) this is just me this is my body my body just takes a long time to get over a cold so he just gets mad because he's like you always have a cold like by the time your cough goes away from one cold you catch the next cold and i'm like yeah Yeah. that's how it works so i'm so bad that like i can tell you like months when i had a cold because like in my brain i need to know when it was the last time i was sick because if i've been sick too close to each other i'm like okay something's wrong with me Cause I'm like, I shouldn't have like, I shouldn't have a cold in, let's say like October. And then like come December, I have another one. Like that's too close to each other for me to have another cold. So something's got to be wrong with me. You're tracking like a period tracker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if I had a, a cold in the fall and then I had a cold in like spring, that's enough time. You know, like you can get a common cold it's a couple months apart from each other. <laughs> Oh, girl, you don't want to have a kid because... No, you guys are sick all the time. There's no distinction between when one cold ends and the next cold begins. It's all like, it's one big cold. <laughs> like six months of the year, you just have a cold. Just one cold. It's a cycle. Yeah. Oh, no. that was a tough time. That's what I suffer with still. And I have a hard time. Like, I get very, like, as soon as, like, if I'm feeling something, I, I can't. I can't calm myself down and just be like, it's just a cold. Like, this is common. It's called the common cold for a reason. Yep. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I'm sure there is. Let's hope. So I don't think I'm insane. With all the cesspool and sickness, will you still wear a mask, like, on a plane? Because I still do, like, at least in the plane, just because I'm trying to avoid catching anything (laughs) that's one of those scenarios that i feel like we should have been wearing a mask in a plane before the pandemic i agree i know how much it sucks but right and like it doesn't need to be necessarily like a mandatory situation but like if you feel like putting it on if you're getting like tired and stuffy and you can't breathe like take it off like but yeah don't make it mandatory i guess Right. But like that should have just been like a habit or a practice that like we were just always in because planes are just like mm-hmm. fucking cesspools. Yeah. We're diving right into it. <laughs> Typically, Asian people would I would always see wearing masks because culturally that's something that they've always done pre-pandemic. Like they had obviously other scares and like other things. Yeah. SARS and all these things that have happened o- over time. But 
they never had a stigma associated with wearing a mask culturally. Like that was just mm-hmm. something they did. Like they would wear it all the time and it was like a hygiene practice and like, a, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get anyone else sick. That was more typical that you would see yeah. Asians pre-pandemic wearing masks. Like you'd see them on the plane wearing a mask or in other settings. For us, it would be odd. It it wasn't like normalized yet. It yeah. hadn't been normalized for us as a culture in America. So like it was only like if you were at the doctor's office and you you came in and you had symptoms of something contagious and they were like, go put this mask on in the waiting room. Right. Like that yeah. was the only time you would wear a mask. Here too, in this country, like it was like a freaking World War freaking three to like get people to wear a mask. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Don't fight with a flight attendant because you don't want to wear it or something like just not getting try to get political. <laughs> That's not this at all. No, but like. I think the pandemic and the fact that we all had to mandatorily wear masks for so long, and now that all the mandates have been lifted, you still see people wearing them mm-hmm. periodically. Like, like I can go into the grocery store. Like when I had the flu, like I had to actually, I had to go in there because I had to go pick up my medication. And I didn't have anyone around to help pick it up for me on a particular day, and so like I had to go into the fucking grocery store with the flu, and yeah. so I had to like sanitize and like mask up and just like walk in there just obviously i was going just to the pharmacy and out it's normal like you don't feel odd doing that any longer because like i i walk in there with my mask on and like there's half the people in there are walking around with masks in the grocery store still right so it's normalized culturally now that like you don't feel odd if you're wearing a mask in whatever setting when you go out and you see people and you see some people wearing one and you see some people not like it doesn't even register in your mind where like pre-pandemic that would have been like oh my god why is that person person wearing a mask mask. exactly oh they must have something if they weren't a mask when i went to like thailand and china like a few years ago like i think i went like 2016 so like way before covid so specifically more like in china because it was like in the city when we took like like the little subway train thing. There were so many people wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just was like, I know it's just so common over here for them to wear a mask. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think negatively about it. Nope. I just was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Like if you're not feeling well and you want to wear it, or hey, you're somewhere in public, you don't want to get sick. Like that, that's fine. Like I thought it was like, great. I get like anxious now if I go somewhere crowded and there's a lot of people. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm definitely going to freaking catch something here because. It's we're just all crowded on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, it it totally changed the way that you view like interactions, things that had seemed normal pre-pandemic that no longer feel acceptable. Like after the pandemic, like things just feel nasty. Like I wouldn't have felt the way I do now yeah, about no. like even just like my kids' dance studio versus mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. I would have just thought it was normal, and now I'm just like I get yeah. the ick when I go in there. I'm like, oh, it's so nasty in here. Like it's just there's like no ventilation like we're all just like uh everyone's in there coughing and like it's disgusting yeah that's how i feel like if i'm like in a crowded place we've been to a couple of comedy shows and i'm like oh god there's just like there's so many freaking people <laughs> and it's like oh and now that it's like the cold and the flu and like obviously so covid's around it's like you don't even know what you have at this point if you can if you had sick you had to get tested for flu it's like, who knows? Like, who knows what you have? And I can't handle that. <laughs> I can't handle that. No. Speaking of the flu, the funniest thing, and I think we'll probably end on this note, but when when we were looking up hypochondria 
and, and mm-hmm. I know it's not called that anymore, but the Wikipedia article for that, which I love, I scroll down to the bottom and there's always like like a see also section on Wikipedia where it has articles that are kind of related to the article that you're reading. And it says, you love I love that. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> but this one says, see also man flu. And there's a fucking Wikipedia article for the man flu. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah, but I don't know what that is. Or, or do I? If you had a husband, you would know all about the man flu. The man flu is just basically the concept or the idea that like women will have the flu or have a cold or whatever. And we are like expected to still be like a caretaker and we have to continue living our lives and acting like Mm -hmm. fine. Like we're not allowed to like go retreat into the bedroom and be like, oh, my God, I'm sick. Somebody take care. We have to continue to take care of others, even when we're the one who is sick. And we just like push through the symptoms and we go on with our day like similar similar to like when we have our periods and we just like go on with life like it's normal even though like yeah we're dying inside we're dying we're just used to being uncomfortable and that's a whole episode yeah that's a whole separate episode about how women are just used to being uncomfortable all the time we've been conditioned to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but men conversely when they get the flu or they get a cold it's like the end of the world it's like their symptoms are so and my husband is like the classic man flu guy and like we just had the flu together like the same flu so like i know exactly how he acts but they will pretend like oh no my symptoms are way worse than the symptoms that you just had (laughs) that's why i need to lay in the bed and be taken care of because i have the flu now and you're like no dude like i just had that same flu like i gave it to you and like i was taking care of my kid like right right, and now i gotta go take care of you so there's an article about the man flu under hypochondria it's on like the see also <laughs> articles links to the hypochondria article and i just think that's hysterical i didn't realize that was like an actual term i know because like same thing like my brother would always be like so much worse he would be like dying in bed and it's like dude you just have the cold like chill out but i had no idea that they actually they, they termed it the man flu <laughs> yes the man flu Yes. Yeah. And like my husband, he's he's actually he's somebody who never gets sick and he like rides himself on like, oh, I don't get sick. Like I have a great immune system and I'm never sick and blah blah. Like, yeah, you're the one who got COVID. Right. right. <laughs> That's his thing. Like, oh, like I just yeah, my body just fights it off. Like I never get sick. Like you peasants over there get sick, right? And like he's like <laughs> annoying about it. And then we all like my daughter got the flu then I got the, I was the second one to get the flu and then like a day later he got the flu but like we all progressed through the same exact symptoms like we had it was like exactly the same for all of us right mm-hmm. and by the time it got to him it was like oh he had like the worst flu that anyone's ever had <laughs> and like he was like out of commission for like way longer than the rest of us were out of commission like I cooked up it had already been a week, so like I wasn't like spreading the flu. But by the time Christmas came around, it was Christmas Eve that I cooked for my family. And it was like a 25-person thing. And I stood in the kitchen for 12 straight hours cooking and prepping all this food. He usually helps me all day. And he took like six naps. Like He kept like tapping out to take naps. And I just like stood there like just cooking 12 straight hours on my feet. 
And then he like still went to bed at like eight o'clock, like on Christmas Eve, like while the fam- fam- family was still there. Oh, damn. I'm like, you just can't hang. You can't hack it like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the women can. No, they can't. Cause like you said, we're conditioned to be uncomfortable. We have to have our period for like four or five days out of the week. And you're, we are sick and uncomfortable and we still have to do everyday things. When we get sick, it's freaking normal for us. <laughs> Right. It's just another thing you have to be uncomfortable with. Yeah. Like high heels. We're going to make a whole episode <laughs> about women being uncomfortable, but that's coming soon. Oh, that's going to be good. <laughs> coming soon to a podcast near you. <laughs> but I think I think that's good. This is a good breaking point. We've had a long enough episode. Yeah, we won't do a mental health segment since this is just a whole anxiety episode. <laughs> the whole episode was mental health today. What a treat. Lovely. Starting off the year with your mental health. Sounds perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Again, thank you for listening. Share us. Tell your family and friends about us. And leave us a review, please. (laughs)